0: Chapter twenty nine of the Great White Queen by William Lequeux. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Tom Weiss. Chapter twenty nine A Mystery. From the glittering hall of audience, a forward movement was soon made to the inner rooms that formed the private apartments of the Naya. Carried onward by the press of people, I was amazed at the magnificence and luxury everywhere apparent. The walls were mostly of polished marble inlaid with gold and adorned with frescoes, the ceilings ornamented with strange allegorical paintings, and the floors of jasper and alabaster. But as the irate crowd dashed onward through the great tenantless chambers, they tore down the rich silk hangings and trod them underfoot, broke up the tiny gold inlaid tables, and out of sheer wantonness hacked the soft divans with their swords. The discovery that the Naya had fled increased the indignation of the mob, and were it not for the urgent appeal of Kona, who had at once assumed the commandership, the whole of the magnificent rooms would no doubt have been wrecked as it was however, the good counsels of the Dagomba headman prevailed, and wanton hands were stayed from committing more serious excesses and wanton heads were stayed from committing more serious excesses, whither the great white queen had fled no one knew to every nook and corner search-parties penetrated even the sleeping apartment with its massive bed of ivory and hangings of purple gold-embroidered satin was held not sacred yet nowhere could the once dreaded ruler be discovered some cried that she had escaped into the city in the guise of a slave others that she had descended into the cavern where stood the gigantic temple of Zamara. another fact puzzled us greatly from our elevated position we could see afar off a fierce conflict proceeding near the city gate on that side where access could be gained only by the steep flight of steps once when i had looked i saw that the city was comparatively quiet now however this conflict had broken out again suddenly and judging from the smoke and tumult it must have been terrific all were surprised and stood watching the clouds of grey smoke roll up into the bright morning air but soon it died away and believing it to be an outbreak by the conquered troops subdued with a firm hand by the victorious people we thought no more of it the hours that succeeded were full of stirring incidents and it was long before the least semblance of order could be restored in the city with kona i went forth into the crowded turbulent streets and the sight that met our gaze was awful bodies of soldiers and civilians were lying everywhere the faces of some to whom death had come swiftly so calm and composed that they looked as if they slept while upon the blood speared countenances of others hideously mutilated perhaps were terrible expressions showing in what frightful agony they had passed into eternity the roadways were strewn with heaps of corpses the gutters flowed with blood at such terrible cost had the tyrannical reign of the naya been terminated by such a frightful loss of human life had omar been raised to the emerald throne greater part of that eventful day was spent by nero kona and galiba and myself in restoring order while the people themselves assisted by the troops who had already sworn allegiance to their young naba cleared the streets and removed as far as possible all traces of the deadly feud but to us there came no tidings of the naya although the strictest watch was kept everywhere to prevent her escaping the people were determined that if she might not pay the penalty of her evil deeds by death she should at least be held captive in one of the foul dungeons beneath the palace where so many of their relatives had rotted and died in agony or starvation a blazing noontide was succeeded by a calm and peaceful evening through many hours i had endeavoured as far as lay in my power to assume the command given me and assisted by a number of quaintly garbed officials enthusiastic in omar's cause i found my office by no means difficult order again reigning in the streets and the bodies removed the city had quietly settled down though of course not to its usual peacefulness crowds of the more excited ones still surged up and down the broad thoroughfares calling down vengeance upon the once powerful queen, but all voices were united in cheers for the Nava Omar, their chosen ruler. Save for those required to preserve order, the survivors of the troops were back in the barracks long before sunset, and the palace guard had been reorganized under Kona's personal supervision. The Tagambas alone compromised Omar's bodyguard, and i found on my return to the palace that they had exchanged their scanty clothes of native bark cloth for the rich bright-coloured silk uniforms of those who had acted in a similar capacity to the naya with their black happy shining faces they looked a magnificent set of men though for the first few hours they appeared a trifle awkward in gay attire that was entirely strange to them it was amusing too to watch how each stalked by erect and proud like a peacock spreading its brilliant plumage to the sun that night when the bright moon rose lighting up the great silent court until yesterday occupied by the terrible queen and her corrupt entourage omar and i sat together discussing the events of those fateful hours since midnight we had eaten from the gold dishes in which the naya's food had been served we had quenched our thirst from the jewel-encrusted goblets that she was wont to raise to her thin blue lips by omar's side i thus tasted for the first time the pleasures of royalty my old chum had sent away his attendants the host of slaves with the twelve dagambas who acted as the bodyguard on duty and we sat alone together in the moonlight the quiet broken only by the distant roll of a drum somewhere down in the city and the cool plashing of the beautiful fountain as it fell softly into its crystal basin kona galiba and nero were all away the at their duties and now for the first time for many hours we had a few minutes to talk together do you know scars omar said moving on easily upon the royal divan that had been carried out into the court at his orders while tired out i reclined upon another close to him do you know there is but one thing I regret now that I have succeeded to the throne that was my birthright regret i exclaimed what regret can you have surely you were entirely right in acting as you did the people were anxious for a just and upright ruler and having regard to the fact that your mother plotted your assassination in so cold-blooded a manner her overthrow is justly deserved yes yes i know he answered rather impatiently but it is not that, not that. One thing remains to complete my happiness. But alas!' And he sighed heavily without finishing his sentence. "'Why do you speak so despondently?' I inquired, surprised. As Nava of Mo, all things are possible. "'Alas, not everything,' he said, with an air of melancholy. "'Well, tell me,' I urged, "'why are you so downcast?' "'I—I I have lost Liola. he answered hoarsely. Truth to tell, Scarsmere, I loved Goliba's daughter. She is absolutely beautiful. I admitted. No man can deny that she is handsome enough to share your royal throne. Indeed, she was. He said with emotion, his chin upon his breast. Was I cried? Why do you speak thus? Because she is dead. He answered huskily. Ah, Scars, you don't know how fondly I loved her. Ever since the first moment we met, I loved her better than life better than all this honor and pomp to which i have succeeded yet she has been taken from me and my life in future will be devoid of that happiness i had contemplated true i am naba of mo successor to the stool whereon a line of unconquered monarchs have sat throughout a thousand years yet all is an empty pleasure now that my well-beloved is lost to me have you obtained definite news of her death I asked sympathetically yes when we were captured in goliba's house she too was seized by the soldiers while held powerless I saw her struggling with her captors for they had somehow obtained knowledge of the part she had played in our conspiracy against their queen the naya had it appears ordered her guards to bring us all before her dead or alive with valiant courage she resented the indignity of arrest and as a consequence she was brutally killed by those who held her prisoner how have you ascertained this i asked shocked at the news for i myself had admired liola's extraordinary beauty to-day i have had before me the three survivors of the guards who captured us and all relate the same story they say that a young girl taken prisoner with us while being dragged up the roadway towards the palace was in danger of being released by the people and one of their comrades, remembering the Naya's orders that none of us were to escape in the melee, raised his sword and plunged it into her heart. The brute, I cried, is the murderer among the survivors? No, all three agreed that the mob, witnessing his action, set upon him and literally tore him limb from limb. A fate he certainly deserved, I said. But has her body been recovered? A body has been found, and I have seen it. But the limbs are crushed, and her face is, alas, trampled out of all recognition, although the dress answers exactly to one that Galiba says his daughter possessed, and in which I myself saw her. There is, alas, no doubt of her fate. She has been brutally murdered and at the instigation of the Naya, who sent forth her fiendish horde to kill us. I knew from the manner you exchanged glances with Leola that you loved her, I said, after a pause brief and painful yes he answered sadly surreptitiously i had breathed into her ear words of affection and had been transported to a veritable paradise of delight by the discovery that she reciprocated my love but he added harshly my brief happy love-dream is now ended i must live and work only for my people they must be to me both sweetheart and wife i must act as my ancestors have done indulging them and loving them never before even in the moments when as fellow adventurers things looked blackest have i seen him in so utterly dejected an attitude the light had died from his face and he had suddenly become burdened by a monarch's responsibilities prematurely aged by a bitter sorrow that had sapped all youthful gaiety from his buoyant heart with heartfelt sympathy i endeavored to console him but all was unavailing that he had loved her madly was only too apparent, and it seemed equally certain that she was dead, for shortly afterwards goliba entered and in a voice full of emotion told us how he had been able to identify the body and that his tardy attendance upon his royal master was due to the fact that he had been superintending her burial. The old sage's words visibly increased omar's burden of sorrow, for in the moonlight, i saw a tear trickle down his pale cheek glistening for an instant brighter than the jewels upon his robe leola had fallen victim to the inhuman brutality of the naya's guards and mo had thus been deprived of a bewitchingly handsome queen the denouement of this stirring story of a throne was indeed a tragic one galiba had lost his only daughter the pride of his heart and omar the woman he loved the silence that followed was broken by a hasty footstep and the tall dark figure of kona approached a strange fact hath transpired o master he cried breathlessly addressing omar speak tell me the young naba exclaimed starting up is it of liola that thou bearest news alas no that she was murdered in the first moments of the conflict is only too certain he answered the news i bring thee is amazing while we were engaged in the struggle for thy throne thine enemies the people of samory entered the city and fought side by side with the military samory's people here we all three cried starting up they were but they have departed no one knows whither their numbers were not great but they sacked and burned several large buildings near the city gate and fought desperately to join their allies the troops of mo but were at last prevented and driven back by the people in a fierce bloody conflict that actually occurred after thou wert enthroned. Then I remembered having noticed the smoke of the encounter, and how with others I had been puzzled. But how could they enter our country and unseen approach the city? Omar exclaimed astounded. I know not the intricacies of the approaches to Mo, save the perilous way of the Thousand Steps, Kona replied. The force may have been the rear guard of the army that attacked Mo and were defeated in the great chasm known as the Grave of Enemies. If they approached by that means, they must have followed closely in our footsteps, and through the treachery of spies, been admitted to the city at a time when the alertness of the guards was diverted by the popular rising. "'Were their losses great in the fight?' Galiba asked. "'Terrible. Whole streets and marketplaces in the vicinity of the entrance to the city were found strewn with their dead,' the black giant answered. Apparently the people discovered the identity of their enemies and took no prisoners. With the exception of about two hundred survivors, all were killed. And the survivors have escaped? Omar observed thoughtfully. Yes, owing to the lax watch kept at the gate during those momentous hours, they were enabled to descend the steps to the plain and get clear away. They must nevertheless be still in Mo. They must be found, Omar cried excitedly while they are among us our country will be in jeopardy for they will act as spies samory hath set his mind upon conquering this our land his plot must be frustrated already i have given orders for a search from the land's most northerly limits even to the grave of enemies o master kona answered all the men who could be spared from guarding the city i have dispatched on expeditions with orders to attack and destroy the fugitives They cannot have traveled far, the young ruler said. They have only about twelve hours' start of your men. To a man our troops are now loyal to thee, the newly created chief of the army answered. They are alive to the fact that Samory's fighting men are their bitterest foes. Therefore, if the survivors of that intrepid force are within our boundaries, they will assuredly be overtaken and killed. I would rather that they were captured and held as hostages, Omar said enough blood hath been already shed to-day the order to capture them is not sufficient incentive to thine army to rout them from their hiding-place Kona replied they have had the audacity to make a dash upon thy city and burn some of its most renowned and beautiful structures therefore in their opinion if not in thine death alone would expiate their offence i would wish their lives to be spared omar repeated but the army is under thy control and I leave the final annihilation of the band of freebooters unto thee. Hast thou obtained any tidings of the Naya's flight? None. My Dagombas have searched every nook and corner of this palace. Each prison dungeon hath been entered by detachments of soldiers, while the enthusiastic parties have descended to the subterranean temple of Zamara, but found only the dwarf priests there. The Naya hath disappeared as completely, as if Zamara had crushed her between his jaws." Her disappearance is amazing, Omar observed. Even her personal attendants, whom I have questioned, are ignorant of the direction she hath taken. They declare that she escaped within ten minutes of the blowing up of the palace gate. The catastrophe alarmed her, and she saw in the fall of these defenses the instability of her throne. All is being done that can be done to secure her arrest, Kona said. It is absolutely necessary that we should hold her captive or like the deposed queen of the nupe she may stir up strife and form a plot to reascend the stool to thee kona i look to guard me from mine enemies my friend exclaimed we must elucidate the mystery of the sudden descent of this weak force of samories the rapidity with which they struck their blow and the means by which they have within twelve hours so completely eluded us news of them hath been flashed even unto the furthermost limits of thy kingdom o great chief assured him no effort shall be spared by thy servant in executing thy commands i go forth again and sleep shall not close my eyes until the men of samory have been overtaken with these words he made deep obeisance to the newly enthroned sovereign and lifting his long native spear which he still retained he swore vengeance most terrible upon the enemies of mo who had with such consummate strategic skill entered and attacked the city at the moment when it remained undefended. There is some deep mystery underlying this scars, Omar said when Kona had stalked away into the darkness, and Galiba had risen and crossed the moonlit court in response to a message delivered by a black slave. I am scarcely surprised at Kona's failure to capture the Naya. indeed, personally, I should only be too happy to know that she had got safely beyond the limits of Mo. But the sudden attack and rapid disappearance of this marauding band of samory proves two things. First, that our country, long thought impregnable, may be invaded. And secondly, that through Kouaga, samory is in possession of certain of our secrets. What secrets? I asked. Secrets upon the preservation of which the welfare and safety of my country depend, he answered mysteriously. Then, with a sudden air of dejection, he added, But there, what matters after all now that liola is dead and my life is desolate at the very moment when the greatest honor has been bestowed upon me and i am enthroned naba the savior of my people the greatest sorrow has also fallen upon me after a moment's silence he started up in sudden desperation crying slave have i been to evil all the days of my life i have toiled and earned nothing I have sown in care and reaped not in merriment. I have poisoned the comfort of others, but no blessing hath fallen into mine own lap. Blasted are the paths whereon I trod, my past actions are ravenous vultures gnawing on my vitals, and the sharpened claws of malicious spirits await my arrival among the regions of the accursed. Yes, I observed with a sigh, for the remembrance of that bright, beautiful face was to me likewise one of ineffable sadness yes i said fate has indeed been unkind what she has bestowed with one hand she has taken away with the other then we were silent above the cool plashing music of the fountain could be heard the distant roar of voices and great rejoicing while upon the starlit sky was still reflected a red ominous glare from the fires raging in the city that no effort of man could subdue at the gate leading outward to the next court stood two sentries with drawn swords gleaming in the moonbeams mute and motionless like statues while echoing along the colonnade was the measured tramp of the soldier as he paced before the entrance of the gilded hall of audience the scene of so many stirring dramas in the nation's history from the divan whereon i sat i could see the great emerald throne glittering green under a brilliant light with its golden image of the sacred crocodile and its banner bearing the hideous vampire bat, while around it were still grouped the officials of the household, the bodyguard of faithful Dagambas, the slaves ready with their great fans, and Gankoma the executioner, with his bright, double-eyed Doka, all standing in patience, awaiting the coming of their royal master. The court of Mo was, I reflected, a strange admixture of European civilization and culture with African superstition and barbarity. On the one hand the buildings were of marble or stone, magnificent in their proportions, with decorations in the highest style of Moorish art. The arms were of the latest pattern surreptitiously imported from England, and many of them faithfully copied by skilful, enlightened workmen. Electricity was known and used, and the tastes of the people showed a refinement almost equal to that of any European state yet in religion there prevailed the crudest and most ignorant forms of superstition, one of which was the horrible practice of burying alive all sick persons, while the custom of the executioner accompanying the reigning monarch everywhere, ready to obey the royal command, was distinctly a relic of savage barbarism. A few moments ago you spoke of secrets that must be preserved, I said presently, turning to Omar yes he said slowly but my heart is too full of poignant grief to think of them to-night the secrets are mine alone to-morrow you shall be in possession of at least one of them i have however much yet to do i see before i rest he added glancing over his shoulder into the brilliant hall where stood the empty throne then rising wearily he sighed for goliba's dead daughter and weighted down by his rich robes, slowly strode across to the arched entrance from which the light streamed forth, and as he set foot upon its threshold, every proud head bowed to earth in deep abject obeisance. End of chapter 29, recording by Tom Weiss